0: Introducing Graduan's latest initiative, the Graduan Go podcast where Team Graduan meets with the brightest minds from corporate Malaysia. Join us every week as we'll be talking everything from your first job to life outside of work and how you can make the most of your career. Only on the Graduan Go podcast, available on Spotify and more.
1: Hi, good afternoon everyone and welcome back to Graduan Inspire webinar session. Uh, My name is Dania from Team Graduan and you're currently tuning in to the 15 Malaysia's webinar session at Graduan Inspire titled Lessons at Work, I Wish School Taught Me. So in this session, our speakers will be sharing their stories, big win, setbacks and learnings as they transition from school life to work life. So be sure to leave your feedback or any questions that you want to ask our speakers as our panelists will be answering live during the webinar. So, without further ado, I will now pass the floor to our moderator for this session, Dr. veer Bart. Take it over. Thank you, Dania. Thank you so much.
2: So, um, a very good afternoon to all of you, or shall I say, Selamat Patang. Um, I hope you are doing well on this lovely Saturday afternoon. As Dania had mentioned, so my name is Sadvir Bhatt. Uh, I am a HR advisor with City Malaysia and your moderator for today. Firstly, um, I would like to take this opportunity to thank the Grad One team for giving us this opportunity to engage with you um, actually for the third time. So this is literally city's hat trick with Grad One. So the last two topics for some of you uh, who had probably tuned in uh, were navigating your career through a pandemic. And then last year, we spoke about enough talk, time for action. Now that we mentioned action last year, we are back with some action, hopefully this year um, with lessons from work I wish school taught me. Um, had, da, has Dania had mentioned? Understand there are options for you to ask questions. Do drop your questions, and and uh, we would answer as many as we can. Before we jump in into the exciting chat, I would like to introduce my city colleagues with you that I'm sure you are able to see on your screen. Hi, Nigel, Renee, Wern, and Ida.
3: Hello. I hope you're hello. doing well. You?
2: Hello, hello. Um, Perhaps uh, how I think we could begin is by you um, introducing yourself, uh, a little bit about your career, ex- um, you know, um, city career experience, um, some short insight into your current role. But I think most importantly, something exciting about your schooling life, right? Um, university, et cetera. So with that, um, maybe I see Ida, you, you come first on the screen. Perhaps we could start with you. Right. Thanks, Sylvia.
4: Hi, everyone. So, um, my name is Ida Narina Ghazali. So, I'm one of the senior manager uh, uh, within AML Financial Intelligence Unit Kel Hub. So, I started my career with Citi 15 years ago uh, as a fresh graduate. Don't do the math for my age, okay? <laughs> um, and I actually um, I started as a fresh grad, joined as an uh, analyst, and I built my career uh, with Citi, and now leading a FIU team across uh, various countries and LOBs. I graduated from uh, UITM Shah Alam. Today, I uh, major from business faculty and major in operation management. So that's a short introduction t- about myself.
2: Thank How's you, like, Ida? Ida. Thank you, Ida. Uh, I'm sure you would have uh, some UITM <laughs> folks on the phone and they'll be I excited hope so. they my, my juniors. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yay. Yes, always nice. Great. Um, probably moving on. Uh, not you come right after? Uh, beside? Uh, yeah, my screen. So probably with you.
0: Sure. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, you know, pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Ong Weven, right? And I currently lead up the um CCB uh City Commercial Banking um KYC operations team. Um, basically, what we do is, you know, as the name suggests, right? We know your customer. We do uh due diligence for all the new clients before they onboarded, as well as for all our city existing clients, right? I've been with city for about 11 years now, um, and I have um, done several roles across city, um, namely, you know, um, AML projects, um, as well as loans operations before I move on to my current role. Um, I'm a proud alumnus of uh, Penang Free School, right? And I did my tertiary education in uh, UTM Johor, right? In, in, in uh, the engineering field.
2: Thank you, thank you, Warren. Um, Renee, with you? Good afternoon,
5: everyone, and hi. Good afternoon, everyone, and hello. Um, I'm my name is Renee. I'm the head of uh, Treasury and Trade Solution Sales for the Corporate and Commercial Banks in Citibank. I've been with Citibank now for almost a year, and I lead a team of five specialists that provides cash management and trade finance solutions. To our corporate clients. Prior to this, I was working various uh, banks such as Deutsche Bank, Bank of New York, and also Standard Chartered. And I did various roles such as I was a relationship manager for corporate, uh, well, multinational corporates. I was also heading sales for financial institutions um, for Southeast Asia and, um, and trade sales and cash management sales as well. In terms of education, um, I was educated at international school in Bangkok. So I grew, you know, up um, actually a lot many many years in Bangkok. And I also um, attended um, Pembroke College in Adelaide, and I studied finance in Curt- Curtin University. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Renee. Um, Nigel,
3: over to you. Thanks. Thanks, Abir. Hello, I'm. Hi, Joe. Um, my career has uh, predominantly been, have been in the IT industry, so I spent about 20-odd years in the IT industry. And my current role right now is uh, covering risk and control, predominantly more on the first line of defense for operations and technology businesses. And here's a little twist. Um, I studied economics and accounting uh, from the University of Health, UK. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Nigel. And I think uh, for our audience today, if you would have uh, probably uh, see, heard what all my four colleagues uh, had said, it's interesting to see the whole mix between um, some of them who probably come from local universities, uh, one who's probably uh, do, done his schooling in the UK and another in Australia, and they're all. Um, very successful in uh, their career uh, successful city bankers and I think what we'll probably do is as we progress and move along the conversation today we prob- we'll have a lot more deep dive into you know some of these things that you would have taken away from your um, university studies, etc. Um, going into just back to the topic um, right which is lessons from work, um, I wish school taught me. If I could go back to my friends on the screen and uh, perhaps ask you, connecting this to your school or schooling time, which seems to be exciting. I know for some of us, it's like, oh my God, that was many years ago, but now time to um, you know, re-relate it to it. Uh, we could probably start with a rapid fire. So, what I would like for, for each of you to do is give me the first expression. Or the first thought that comes to you uh, when I mention lessons from work, I wish school taught me. So, if I could probably um, start with um, you, Nigel.
3: Um, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, mentoring.
2: So, Nigel's word is
3: mentoring. Ida.
2: Sorry, Ida, you're in mute.
4: Sorry. Emotional intelligence for me, Xavier. So Ida has said EQ.
2: Renee? Uh, Soft skills like teamwork. Soft skills. Okay.
0: Vern? Holder management for me. Sorry? Stakeholder. Stakeholder.
2: Yeah. So by the time it came to you, Vern no longer rapid fire. You already had (laughs) time to think. (laughs) Not fair, not fair. Okay, cool. Interesting. So we have got mentoring. We have EQ. We have soft skills, and one uh, has said stakeholder management. Um, probably an opportunity for us to to expand on that a little, so that our audience are able to understand uh, where you're coming from when you had mentioned this. So, um, uh, one since you had all the time to think earlier and not rapid fire, I'm gonna go with you. So, what do you mean by stakeholder management?
0: Yep, sure. Thanks, avia Right, so when I, when I think about stakeholder management, right, there are a few things um, which I, I think about, right, um, which I thought, you know, you know um, hopefully, you know, things would have been, you know, the advice would have been given to me you know, back then when I was in, in school, right? And because I think stakeholder management is really one of the most critical um, things that we should, uh, you know, maneuver around, right, in the corporate world. Um, and, you know, driving results are really highly dependable, right, on how well we manage the various key stakeholders that we have right, um, in, in the day-to-day work that we do, right? Um, I would bucket, you know, the stakeholders into two main categories, right? One is, you know, management. Definitely, you know, as you come into the corporate world, you would have your own managers, right? Um, and it's how you manage upwards, right? Um, you know, I think essentially it's, um, you know, how you keep the managers in form of updates, right? Assessing when's the right time to escalate, when not to escalate, what to escalate, right? And, and I think most importantly, when to call for help, when you are stuck with a resolution right um, and i think if you sit on an issue what we always say is that you know the problem become you know all yours right but the moment you share it with your manager then it becomes a shared problem right we can brainstorm and can we we can discuss what's the solution right to that issue right so i think what is important is how do we make sure that you're managing upwards you know correctly or adequately is is really getting uh, you know soliciting feedback from your managers through periodic one to ones right because i think every manager has a different approach, um, different preference, different style, right? So I think the faster you understand and align with your manager, right, I think the better the working relationship would be, right? Um, and I think the second bucket would be in terms of, you know, peers and your partners, right? How you build relationships with your with your peers because I think those are very important, right? How, um, you know, in a high-performing team, we want to make sure that, you know, all the different skills are being leveraged upon, right, for us to all achieve the common goal, right? So I think it's very important um, that, you know, as if especially if you're new to a team, you want to break the ice, right? Um, by doing things like you know, just simple things like going out for meals, drinks, you know, get to know each other, right? And I think with rapport built over time, right, it is much uh, easier to accomplish things together, right? And I think one, um, you know, one common pitfall that I would advise to avoid is really, you know, there are some people who just reach out to people when they need help, right? So I think it's very important that we always maintain, you know, that periodic casual contact, right? Rather than, you know, just reaching out to people only when you need help, right? I think that's, uh, right. you know, that's probably my parting comment.
4: Sure. So if I may add to ben, um, because I feel that my word is somehow related to that, because, um, you know, to manage that stakeholder, I think it has to start somewhere in, from the beginning, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, uh, because it has to start. If you see it from school itself, right? Uh, kids nowadays, you can see the way they speak with their friends is different. The way they speak with the teachers is different sometimes you even okay i have a you know 11 years old okay when she speaks with her friends and then when i see that she interact with uh other kids that is much older it's different and then i'm like oh my god i never did heard this you know <laughs> like uh it it started already at an earlier age which during my i okay, during my time back uh-huh. then this we uh, we don't we don't have this This emotional intelligence. How do you manage uh, or interact with your uh, friends? How you interact with your teacher? Because we normally will be afraid with our teacher, right? We try to avoid. You see your teacher, then you turn the other way around. <laughs> or you try to avoid, right? But uh, actually, that is the... Um, Something that we need to teach uh, kids from younger age uh, to actually manage and uh, work towards uh, to uh, use uh, their ability, you know, the, uh, to use it to manage uh, their emotion in a positive way. And then it will help uh, you know, when, um, as they go to their career. Like, how do they manage, you know, the stakeholder upwards or downwards? How Because they already said that the way they're thinking, you know, the way is positive thinking and how do they structure and reach out to these people? It has to have a very strong emotional intelligence for them to be able to think uh, such way so um yeah so I sort of cover up
2: my topic also right <laughs> you, know, <thank> you did <laughs> you. I'm trying to jump in <laughs> you, I, I think when it comes to uh EQ and relationships we all get very passionate and it's it is so relatable right yes, I mean like Ida yes. to your point like I've got a 10 year old a lot of times uh she tells me stuff that that su- surprises me you know and it's yes. not- not something that we could have probably thought at that age sometimes even at our age we don't we don't relate to it mm-hmm. and you know and going back to um, what could be taught at school and for some of our audience must be thinking yeah but when is talking about managing uh, my manager whereas in my current environment mm-hmm. I don't have a manager but I think what what probably is one of the takeaways is when we talk about managing manager we are just making it very general to say mm-hmm. it's really understanding different yep. relationships yep. and how do you navigate through mm-hmm. those different relationships so the relationship in this case to one's point it could be a manager which would be a future uh, relationship that one yep. would have but I think even in your current environment it could be just a mere uh, professor That's Someone right. And you would have yeah. Multiple professors Some professors That are mm-hmm. probably there And they're all there for you But there'll yep. be some professors Who are just probably The tougher ones So like Ida said right, yep. When your discipline teacher Walks in mm-hmm. I'd rather walk the other way I've done that Because like Oh I do not want to Bump into her <laughs> yeah. But it's but really You know The more you are able To face it The more you are able To sort of like Structure mm-hmm. How you want to Approach it It yep. just builds you For mm-hmm. these uh, Complex City or complex relationships as you uh, move forward in, in life and career. You know, and, uh, and, and I think going back to, to that and now that we're talking, I think, Renee, you, you mentioned soft skill. And I think a lot of these probably are bits yes. of what you mm-hmm. were, were hoping yes. to relay. Okay. Yeah. But if it's over and above what we have yeah. just spoken about, um, what would be uh, p- some specifics that you would yeah. like to share? Yeah, uh, thank you,
5: Sabir. And you know, definitely very relate- relatable what Ida, you know, uh, and you know, Vern mentioned about you know um, EQ and things like that, which is all uh, soft skills because these are non technical skills. So what uh, for me, uh, soft skills are non technical skills. So it's like ability to work well with people, the teamwork. And having, you know, very effective communication skills, which includes, you know, a good presentation, public speaking, you know, be able to do that. Because, you know, when you enter the workforce, you know, after college, you realize it's actually really different from school and college. Because, you know, in college, it's very exam-based, very results-based. So, you probably tend to spend a lot of time alone studying to achieve academic results, you know, good But and you don't necessarily have to work with people to achieve, you know, good grades. So a lot of focus is on yourself. But once you enter uh, the workforce, you you will realize that you really cannot achieve a lot of things yourself or do anything yourself, right? You need to collaborate, work with people, your colleagues, different stakeholders that um, was mentioned earlier, your bosses to achieve a common goal. Let me give you an example okay, I'm, I'm in sales or in my team in sales. So our goal is to bring in revenue by providing solutions to our clients so that they will use Citibank, right? Um, and so in order to win um, a deal, so I have to go to the client and speak with them and talk to them to find, to find out the requirements and what the problems have. And once that is understood, I will need to then go back to the bank, work with my colleagues in perhaps product to build a solution, to structure a solution that will solve the problems. Then I might have to work with you know, um, compliance or legal to, to come up with you know, a legal agreement. And also to implement the solution, I would have to work with an implementation team. So, all this, as you can see, is not just me delivering a solution. It's just working with a lot and a lot of different people within the company. And all these people have different personalities. They don't work the way you do. You know, some may pull their weight. Some have different priorities. So, that's where your interpersonal skills or EQ comes into play because you somehow have to bring everyone together to to achieve that goal that you have. So… That is, you know, one one area that um, I wish I learned more about, you know, uh, working well with people. The other thing is, you know, having really good presentation and public speaking skills, you know, ability to present well, speak well is really critical. You know, nowadays, you know, especially in the Zoom environment, um, because, you know, I do this every day. You know, I'm always, for example... Pitching or presenting ideas to colleagues Mm. or clients, and also have to present to my bosses about you know just providing updates on what I'm doing or my financial performance, and even participating in forums like this, right? So you know the ability to you know um you know you have to be engaging, convincing, deliver clear message, and present with confidence. These are just some of the soft skills that's really extremely important. To help you be effective in your work and you know to have a successful career, that's that's
2: yeah. Some. Thank you, thank you, Renee. I think really yeah. um, resonates, and I like the whole example about um, what you had provided in terms oh. of your role and the yeah. multiple individuals you are needing to engage, work with, collaborate with yeah. in order for the final result. That's right for 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 the final result, and I think if we take it back home to school, uh, that's exactly what uh, a lot of us have probably done with the multiple projects. A lot of times, you have that opportunity of working in a particular group and then you're sunny and you have to work with another group and you would always have those conflicts it's like one person is pulling the weight the other person is probably not delivering one is busy sleeping till 12 uh you know in the afternoon and somebody is probably burning the midnight oil so how do you then and and sometimes the opportunity of you being a leader in that environment how do you then really influence and bring everybody together um I know Nigel, we I would come to you shortly, but before we get into that, um I just have got one question for you before we we really talk about the whole mentoring bit. So Renee made a very uh, for me a strong point where where you had mentioned the whole communication bit a couple of times. and I think yeah. you had said um, presentation, the ability to well, I wouldn't I would probably replace the word speak uh, with articulate. Uh. Uh, so the ability uh, to articulate yeah. well, uh, well, especially in the current environment where we are all on Zoom. So in, in your view, Nigel, uh, what are some of the things that you have observed or you feel that could probably be something that, you know, the audience today could acquire? Because when we talk about ability to communicate, sometimes the misconception is, oh, I just have to have a flawless English the way Renee speaks. Do I have to well, use huge bombastic words i have got a different opinion and hence why i wanted to hear it from you know probably with from nigel and then if any of you have anything else to add before we get into the mentoring bit
3: well i was uh i was hoping that the mentoring bit can can help explain some of that because i think um you know having the the great communication skills comes with practice without a doubt but having a mentor uh does help because you get a uh an ability to get a critical feedback in terms of uh, what areas you need to improve on. And, you know, having having mentors or even, you know, not even an official mentor-mentee relationship, but somebody that can help you, uh, help you improve, uh, just uh, provide a useful critique on how you can improve certainly will help and, and, and let you um, get along uh, in terms of presentation skills within the organization.
2: Right. right. Now that's, that's a, that's um, a very strong point, right? Because, um, I think when we talk about mentoring, um, even though, yes, the, it's a very popular word used today, but I think if we take it back to school, um, the, the, the one key point that you had mentioned was the feedback bit. And I think if we're combining that with communication, probably what is one takeaway is you can also use that. So your mentor need not be somebody who's um you know super senior than you it could also be and i think in city and i would want to touch that point we use this reverse mentoring reverse mentoring Um, yeah reverse mentoring so i don't know nigel if you could shed some light in terms of that which could, could relate to the audience
3: Yeah, sure. I think uh, before we go into reverse mentoring, I think uh, what I want to highlight with mentoring is that, you know, for me personally, I've benefited uh, from mentoring uh, in my career progression, uh, especially when I'm new to the organization or when I take on a a new role. Uh, Mentoring has certainly facilitated uh, to ease into that new role into the organization and how you can navigate uh, within the organization. Right. So, The reality is that pathway to success in the workplace is never easy, uh, nor is it obvious, right? You hear a lot of feedbacks on how to do and what to do, so on and so forth, right? So, without doubt, having uh, someone who can coach you, right, can help you uh, along your career progression, especially when you're new. Uh, in the workforce and also equally important is during your career progression, as you move up, as you climb up the ladder, it's still equally important to have mentors to guide you uh, along the way, right? And you're right, Sabir, it's not necessarily a one-way traffic where we only hear from the mentor or somebody senior, right? Uh, The advice does not necessarily just come from just because somebody is senior right? reverse mentoring is equally important and uh, that's an aspect as you mentioned city is keenly adopted adopting right so this is where uh, mentors are the younger workforce you know your millennials your gen z or z right to some And the mentees are the senior VPs, the directors, the managing directors, usually are the boomers and the Gen X, right? And the idea is for the senior manager uh, or the senior staff to be coached by the uh, younger employees, especially in the areas of uh, digital thinking, uh, technology, or even workforce uh, trends, just to name a few. And that's why I feel it's uh, important uh, that uh, graduates are aware about you know, the, cap- uh, the ability of mentoring and how we can help them uh, at a very early on in your stage in your career. And it's something that is, uh, for me personally, uh, important to adopt uh, very early on in your career.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, you know, uh, listening to all of you, um, I, I sort of like, think this quote from uh, Haruki Murakami, which is uh, a famous Japanese writer for some of us who know, probably really sums it up beautifully. So what um, Murakami says is, the most important things we learn at school is the fact that the most important things can't be learned at school. And um, uh, yeah, I know it. It's, uh, when you read it once, it's all like it's all like confusing us, right? But when you really reflect on what he says, and I think if when I were to ask you, based on that quote, so what Murakami says, the most important things we learn at school is the fact that the most important things can't actually be learned at school. So how do you feel about this this statement? And if it does resonate with you, or do you feel, or how do you feel school had perhaps prepared you? To land your first job or to be a successful city banker today?
0: Yeah, I would think it's a, a mixture of both, right? Um, I mean, I would agree to the statement to a certain extent, right? Because I think it really depends on how best you make out of your schooling life, right? Because you know, for example, if if you one is only focused on um, academics alone in school, then yes, you know, you probably have not learned um, a lot of you know the important things right that you could potentially apply in the corporate world. Right, so so for instance, for me, um, you know, I think school had really prepared me well, right? In in a couple of areas, right. One is um, definitely in terms of academics, right. For for instance, I think you know just just this week as well, my boy was going through um, you know his exams, uh, you know, it's an examination week, um, and I was just kind of like you know coaching him on how to you know strategize in an exam, right? Like you know the usual basic ones, right? You know, easy questions first, harder ones later. Right, and, and being detail oriented, cutting down on careless mistakes. And I think all this, you know, really do apply as well, right, in the corporate world, because you know, we, we do really need to make sure that you know every time or everything that we do is right, right? The first time and each time as well. Right. So I think that's definitely one key learning from school, right? Um the the second one, you know, for me is is really, you know, because I was very active in co-curricular activities back in school and in university as well. Right. And that's where I feel really, you know, um, largely it has shaped my character, right, uh, who I am today, right, through participation, through active participation in those, uh, you know, activities, right, because I think, you know, thinking back, right, at the age of 16, you know, I was already managing, you know, kind of leading a, a society of like 100 plus people, right, and that's where you really learn to, you know, work with different people, right, And and also leading, right, I mean, that's my first experience of leadership as well, right, but but before even getting there, right, at the age of 13, 14, 15, right, um, I was a member, right? I, I worked with you know, my peers as well, right? So back to my earlier point about stakeholder management, you know, it, it all really began back then, right? Uh, you know, when you were active. But but I think beyond school as well, right, once you enter the corporate world, right, um, it's really a lot about learning the roles, observing the seniors, right? I think um, picking up the good, noting the bad so that you can avoid the, the negative ones, right? um and i think it's a lifelong learning process right you know i think i think the panelists will also agree with me that every day we deal with different types of issues right especially the non-technical scenarios right you don't have a textbook or you know or or like you know um passing exam questions you know to refer to for example right so it's a lot uh, it's a lot of learning from experience and adapting to various scenarios right as it comes along right so it's it's really a lot of adaptability as well yeah
2: you know when you said past year exam questions it reminds me I don't know how many of you did that uh, popular bookshop used to sell past year questions so they actually have it so every year before any big examination you literally go and buy all of that it's usually what for the last five years so yeah, think, and it's
0: very useful right because you, you know most yeah, of the questions might yeah. repeat
2: <laughs> and it, it's interesting because uh, a lot of times like you said right with the with the journey you sort of like go on. Post school, sometimes you did wish you had those past your questions, so like you sort of like had those answers, but but it's not right. And going back, um, you know, and, and and I wanted to say this, which is which is uh, tickled me a little. You said school prepared me, so th- those who are from Penang and from Penang free school now are saying yes word <laughs> to you, but school did prepare us. That's um, good. Yeah, so going back to to that point, and I think, um, Renee, if I may ask um, mm-hmm. you, and of course, um, you probably amongst the, the mm-hmm. five, four of us, five of us on, on the screen or the call today, um, you had studied, um, like you mentioned, in Bangkok, mm-hmm. and then you moved mm-hmm. and, and, you know, with your education in Australia, etc. Um, wh- how, in your opinion or in your uh. experience, has all of this sort of like translated for you or, or helped you um, you know uh, be who you are today
5: um you mean in terms of um you know all my experiences
2: so your, lesson, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. your yeah. Experience, it, lessons yeah so your lessons lessons at school that probably have um you know uh, sort of like made you who you are today you know the, the you know the role that you do or the career journey that you had been on etc well,
5: well you know um i was very fortunate um you know, in my schooling, in terms of I had an opportunity to study in various places. And, you know, I, I got to mix with people with different diverse backgrounds. And so, you know, in Bangkok, Australia. So I had to learn to, you know, fit in in, in, in many ways um, to the culture, to interact with people with different cultures, different backgrounds. And, you know, it really helped me um, to have an open mind, um, and also to you know, um, yeah, just interact well with people in, in terms of my interpersonal skills. That's how that that really helped me. Thank you, mm. Sabia.
2: Yeah, the different culture and that's so mm. true, right? Mm. I think uh, being um, a Malaysian and a proud yeah. one, uh, mm. you we you know. It's just probably so beautiful that today being in Malaysia, because we have got so many different cultural yeah. um, people come from different ethnicity, different cultural backgrounds, uh, and the upbringing is so unique and different. I think that also sort of like shapes yeah. sometimes in the way yeah. some individuals do respond to certain things mm-hmm. at work. So mm-hmm. I think going back to what we had uh, discussed earlier, when we talk about the whole st- mm-hmm. stakeholder, the relationships, I think it's also really navigating through that, and, and the one of the plus point, perhaps yeah. for for the ones who go through the Malaysian stream, is you get that early on exposure, the adaptability of you know the, the different uh, thought processes, etc. We did, uh, I know, uh, speak a little bit about um, the whole um, uh, academics bit, and I think Renee, you yeah. had you had uh, touched on that a little. So just going back to Um, one thought that I had where, you know, grades are the stepping stone. It gets you the job, but does not determine your success. Um, It's not a quote from a famous person. It's actually from yours truly because I I relate to it a lot. So, you know, if Nigel, I were to ask you, how much does that statement um, resonate with you? Like, um, and if you could share your thoughts.
3: Yes, I think it resonates very well with me. Right. As I mentioned, um, I graduated in economics and accounting, but somehow ended up in the IT industry for, you know, like 20 odd years. Right. And now I'm doing a totally different role under risk and control. So my view is that, you know, uh, you learn the theories in the school, but you apply the practicals in the workplace. Right Now, for graduates entering the workforce, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, your grades uh, will be the first few indicators that potential employees will look at uh, to evaluate whether they want to take a chance uh, on you, right? Uh, and, and the reality is that it certainly opens doors. Yes, grades do open the doors, right? But how successful you are in the workplace will determine, will be determined by a few factors. How you demonstrate um, agility or adaptability, as we keep hearing uh, in this panel, right? Resiliency. And sometimes how well you can think on your feet. And certainly, those are not uh, the only factors, you know, as the panel have shared, right? How uh, well you work uh, with your business partners, your colleagues, right? And um, how well you handle your stakeholders, Right. And more importantly, how do you overcome uh, all the problems and remove the hurdles? And those are key uh, success factors uh, in the workplace. Right. So and these are things that, you know, uh, you will not be able to learn fully in a school, but you have to go with the experience. And as I mentioned, that is why I feel mentoring is very important because there's just so many uh, criterias of success factors. And having that coach uh, really helps you to navigate some of them. At least, early it does uh, did help me uh, in my career progression.
2: No, thank you for that, uh, Nigel. And I think you said thinking on your feet, which all of us are literally doing today. So, yeah, that's like a life example of that. Um, you know, I know we we are having a bit of an exciting chat, but we do have some questions that have come up, uh, and uh, perhaps one or two that we may want to dive into because I think they're quite relatable. So We have this uh, question from Joshua. Um, Hi, Joshua. Um, He has said that, I'm intrigued to know about the thought process in case Citibank faces some problems, and if there is any framework that the team uses to brainstorm, brainstorm, perhaps build a good thought process framework. Um, well, this is uh, a very good one and I think um, we city bankers on the call today are able to relate to it a lot. I think um, it's all about the crisis management bit, right? COVID was one big thing and multiple other things. So any of you um, who would probably want to add on further to what Joshua had to say?
3: Yes, Nigel. Maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll give this a shot, right? So... I think um, you know. Um, for a fact of matter, is uh, the experience in city. We do have a lot of policies and standards, uh, and also documentation to help us to handle a lot of uh, situations. Right. Uh, the reality is, you know, they are documentation. Right. You can read it. You can remember it. Memorize it. And uh, and 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 hopefully you understand it, but the reality is uh, in in a lot of my experience is when a situation arises, that usually gets thrown out the window. People just have to react to the situation. So I think uh, what city does well uh, in in those kind of situation is to always uh, to do a post mortem analysis. Uh, what went well? What didn't go well? right? And more importantly, to have as uh, many drills as possible so that you can simulate a real-life situation, a crisis, so that you know what to do, who to go to, who are the important uh, persons or parties that you need to reach out to, how well you want to work, and also to think about uh, your internal processes. Uh, How would you manage it in a worst-case scenario? Are you ready for it? And if you're not Obviously put it in a plan uh, to try to address them. So I think for my personal experience, um, practice makes perfect and, and the drills certainly help right uh, without doubt I, you know, without, have, without going into details of you know what frameworks and everything. every organization have them right uh, So the key thing is how do you put it in practice? and having drills and, 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 and crisis management uh, desktop uh, desktop kind of uh, practices, those are important.
2: No, I mean, um, I I think uh, Nigel very spot on and I I would probably also like to add, yes, uh, to Nigel's point, a lot of times frameworks are there. A lot of times frameworks are not there. And I think COVID was one very classic example where the whole world never expected it. But I think going back to uh, some of the things that, uh, we had spoken about, right? Being agile, being flexible. Um, Renee's point about ensuring that um, you have the relationships. I think some one of you said stakeholder, the communication, the um, network really helps because th- these are the, the times where everybody does come in together. And then you sort of like, that's when the brainstorming literally happens. You you may not be the subject matter expert in that area. And hence why the network becomes super, super important for you to really tap on the different individuals. And a lot of times, frameworks are actually developed uh, from such, um, you know, interaction. Yes. Sorry. Um, Renee, you, you, had, you were going to add on something? No,
5: no. When you were talking about networking... Um, and network, I, I was just thinking about the importance of networking. And I wanted to actually share with, you know, the graduates here, you know, that was a skill that I really wished um, I knew how important it was. Because, um, you know, when I didn't know how important it was until I started working. Um, and it's really especially uh, more important when you climb the corporate ladder. And it's, it's through these relationships that you build throughout the years, you kind of make help you make progress in terms of your career path, you know, quickly. It it can basically help you gain access to, you know, future career opportunities, help you meet your potential mentors, you know, um, prospective clients and partners and, you know, gain information quickly. So I was just smiling when, you know, uh, so just talking about networking and, um, And it certainly helped me a lot having, you know, to have uh build a good network because, you know, for example, right, um when you want to find employment, you know, um having a wider network client um context will ensure that you have a bigger chance of finding a job. Because you know, most of the time statistics show you that I think you can tell, right, 86% of people. Um, you fill the jobs is by uh, referrals, so you know, and that's very true in my life. Ninety percent of my jobs was, you know, that I, you know, the jobs that I landed was through recommendations from people such as my ex bosses, um, c- my clients actually that referred me to employers and you know, headhunters. So, uh, and I, and when I want to fill, you know, a role, I tend to call my you know network of people that i know for recommendations so that's something i really wish that you know i learned more about networking
2: yes nice one renee um yeah. yes so um, i think what we may want to do is we have got pretty good um traction in terms of questions that are coming and i think uh we've got one from jensen i would want to relate to jensen um a quote that, you know, recently I had uh, read, which talks about education is the passport for the future for tomorrow. um, And it belongs to those who prepare for it today. And I think that's very relating to the question Jensen had. So, hi, Jensen. So, Jensen's question is, would really love to know from the panelists, what do you think the current education system could improve in helping future leaders better prepare for the working world? So, I think it's a it's a very powerful one and I'm assuming a lot of us uh, or most of us on the call would have a lot to say. Perhaps, Ida, we could start with you on what your view is of that question.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, in my opinion, I feel that you know school today's could um, expose students uh, to be more in public speaking, to be more vocal and confident because... Uh, i trying to relate to, you know, when I interview fresh grad right? So when we look at their, um, you know, their certifications, their results, it's very good. It's, I uh, wouldn't deny, it, straight A's, but they do not have the confidence when, you know, during interviews. They're unable to, like what you mentioned just on the they're unable to articulate what they have, uh, you know, um, in, uh, in their mind. And that, uh, it's a struggle that these uh, graduates has, and we know they are very smart. They can deliver the work, but when they cannot speak up, they cannot answer it, uh, the questions during interview. It's difficult for us as interviewer to assess, although how you know how much we want to hire them because we know they they probably get you know a nervous breakdown or what. So that's why sometimes as interviewer we try to uh, rephrase our questions or we tell them you know do you need more time or what do you understand. I do not understand about the questions, so that we could, you know, ask them in, uh, in their language so that they could answer, you know, better. So uh, in my opinion, during, I feel that schools education should uh, also focus uh, some like certain percentage in a uh, uh, public speaking classroom for every every student uh, to give opportunity uh, to speak in front of their um, you know, class. And this uh, will definitely build their confidence whenever they want to come forward. Uh, That attitude to come forward, to open up, to raise issues, it has to start from school. Uh, Because, uh, you know, the moment you reach out to your uni and work, it's a bit, um, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but uh, they need to work harder to achieve that if uh, they do not start from the beginning. So
2: that's what I feel. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for that Ida and I think um, one tip I probably want to uh, you know give the audience while Ida is speaking um, yes I I totally do relate to it a lot I think public speaking so some of us would ask and I just for everybody's benefit four out of the five of us on on the call today are actually from the Kabangsa and school like including me right so we are where we are and a lot of times um, it's it's always um, easier to perhaps uh, blame the other party, because it's always easier, right? It's like, oh, it's, it's, this is not going right. And all of us have probably a lot to say about the education system. But going back to what Ida had said, you today we have got a lot of different clubs as well mm-hmm. externally. And it is not that difficult to set those up in your current environment. So, for example, if you are a part of a particular university and if you are and the whole public speaking confidence resonates with you, there's no harm in you just operating your own orators club or your own mini Toastmaster within that university. After all, all what a public speaking is requ- uh, requires you to do is prep- preparation, ensuring you have a script. You probably need a mic if you have a larger audience. If you have a loud voice like us, you perhaps don't need that. And being able to just speak in front of a group and just speak. And I think when you start talking, and, and a lot of times you start with a script, you just acquire a lot of those things that Ida had mentioned, whether it's confidence, whether it's ability, and moving on to, you know, what Nigel had said, the whole mentoring feedback thing, because that's what a public speaking club gives you. It gives you and that audience then provides you that feedback. And, you know, to Nigel's point, that's a lot of times where the mentoring also happens. So, it doesn't have to be just, you know, somebody who's super senior than you. So, so perhaps something you know some of us could probably want to look at um anything to add on that in your opinion
0: yeah I, I would think you know at the end of the day is really self-initiative as well right so like to your point you know there are many avenues and clubs out there as well like toastmasters right um you know if, especially if it comes to public speaking right um it's self-initiative uh, where are the areas that you want to improve yourself right and you need to you know, um basically spend your time, make some effort, right? Um to you know indulge in those activities, right? So then only you can improve, right? Um yeah.
4: Oh okay, I do agree with you guys, self initiative. It's just sometimes I do feel uh you know, I don't know whether it's it, uh it's our culture or what but certain people not everyone would have that uh determination to initiate things sometimes they need someone to help push them uh, you know to have that start you know like a kickstart so uh it's everyone's situation is different so i that's why i my opinion it has to be a combination of this means everyone has to play their part and role uh to you know help Somehow help and support these people, so that you know they be able to uh, speak up and you know and be vocal and uh, so that they can be
2: heard. Then, yeah, no, I I agree. I think support system. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I heard Renee say something. Okay. Yeah. No, I said support system is is super super crucial. Um. M- you know, Nigel. So your um, mentoring questions resonates with uh, Ken Yuan a lot. I hope I'm pronouncing your ra- name right, Wong Ken Yuan. Uh, and um, um, Wong's or Ken Yuan's question is, um, Nigel, what are the traits we should be looking for in a good mentor?
3: Well, that's a interesting question. Um, I think there there are no hard and fast rules on that. Uh, for me personally. Uh, from my experience, it always starts with somebody that inspires you, uh, whether it's in the organization or whether it's somebody that is remote, right, uh, far away. Like you know, uh, that you find what they say is inspiring, and 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 it compels you to say, "What can I do to reach that level?" Right. And equally, like what you mentioned, out there, right? It doesn't have to be somebody senior. It can be your um, friends, your uh, people who really want to see you succeed right uh, because you know the idea is you know they're not here to put you down or criticize you but to provide you very good feedback so that you can improve right so a lot of uh mentors and i've been very fortunate to 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 encounter some of them uh they have a very natural ability to see someone succeed and 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 for me that is a very important trait of a a good mentor because uh, ultimately they want to see you succeed they uh, you know that's the whole point of mentoring right you want to improve yourself and getting the the necessary guidance uh, feedback is important right and 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 more importantly is that you know uh, it's also important that you So understand what it takes uh, to reach that level, right? A a self-realization of sorts.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I would probably also want to add one point, I think drawing from what Ida had said, sometimes um, it's also probably easier when you sort of like do kind of break it into what are some of the specifics that one is needing to work on? So, to Ida's point, if it's really the communication, if it's really the confidence, then going back to the support system and, you know, to to Nigel's point, then you may want to then look for a mentor who is probably, in your view, good in that area because, one, you are able to then connect and learn with. And and then, to Ida's point, that individual could be that person who pushes you to do it, who encourages you, who, you know, uh, shows you the right path. Um, and and you know and a lot of times some well not a lot of time but sometimes the self realization does come by because you may just be oblivious and you may not and you need somebody who's able to you know relate to that um, you know talking about self realization and I think EQ it's a it's a Sort of like a a, a big area. No, sure. Ida, you had mentioned on EQ, and um, Renee, you had chimed in from the soft skill bit to say how important was EQ. So we we actually do have a question, and and Renee, I I think probably an apt one for you, where this individual says, and um, it comes without a name. So hello, whoever it's raised it, uh, understand the importance of emotional intelligence. Uh, But possible to explain that in relations to an analyst, any example of what you see in fresh graduates who succeed? So I think the question is more how, you know, EQ is probably important for fresh graduates for them to succeed. Uh,
4: let me take that because i think it's uh, related to the analysts uh, within uh, aml so for me uh, we are you know uh, the transactions monitoring analysts we do hire fresh graduates i think majority of our analysts are fresh graduates so when we talk about emotional intelligence of uh, right what i do see the fresh grad that have a positive mindset these are the Graduates uh, that would be uh, successful, uh, and they able to progress within uh, you know the set expectations set by the business, uh, and when I when uh, we look at their you know their result, their profile based on their you know performance discussion with their manager, we can see these people. Uh, which is very positive and receptive towards feedback because, you know, in the AML uh, transaction monitoring departments, you know, our policy to fraud uh, terrorist financing is very, uh, I mean, change is very constant. So you need to be able to be prepared and ready that, you know, today I have to do the work like this. The next day, it probably changed. So if you don't have that uh, emotional intelligence, you can easily get frustrated. You know, things are changing very fast and I get rejected. You know, my case got rejected. My senior rejected my case and I got a QA, uh, quality assurance finding. I got quality issues with my cases. And if they are not able to manage this feedback in a positive manner and take it constructively, it will be very difficult for them to progress and, uh, you know, to the next level when they are uh, able to you know they they look as feedback because we need to think positive feedback is actually a very valuable uh to me asset because when people give feedback means they care that they want you to improve if people stop giving feedback then you have a concern because there's no uh, such thing as we are perfect, okay? So when people give feedback and when we take it uh, constructively and learn from those mistakes, not making the same mistake again, uh, these are the uh, the graduates that we see uh, able to, you know, move forward. And uh, some of them even able to actually progress to, you know, a senior analyst quite fast, uh, you know, even before the set target timeline that we have. So it, it depends on how the graduate themselves open open themselves to learning, uh, to new information, to new uh, knowledge. So this is something that we cannot teach and tell them what to do. It
2: has to come from they themselves. So that's the answer for me. Yeah, no, thank you uh, for that, um, Ida. And I think um, the person who wrote it, probably it's your future. Uh, I hope <laughs> Yes, you never know. I, I hope I answered their question. Uh, please don't be scared to join us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think we are uh, almost at the top of the hour. Uh, we do have um, some other questions that are coming, which I think we will address um, at a later time. Um, one of the insights that I had got today from our casual fun chat were a lot to do with um, I think the, you know we shared mentoring, we shared networking, but I think we also spoke a lot about the whole self awareness bit, which I think was a very powerful point that you know Nigel had spoken about. Uh, being open, uh, being engaged, I think a lot of t- a lot to do with the asking the right questions. There's never a wrong or a bad question ever. The agility be- bit, the bit about being flexible. Uh, being open so perhaps what um, you know I would ask some of my um, um, you know colleagues on the call if there are any other final thoughts that you would perhaps like to leave the audience with today
5: I- I'd like to share something um, to the new graduates I-, I just want to you know just let them know, like, you know, don't be afraid to try new things, you know, um, be bold, open to new opportunities, even if it's not necessarily 100% aligned to your degree or technical skills. In yeah. fact, it, you know, in my unit, a lot of them, um, the background is not, you know, banking or finance. They are mathematicians, engineers, you know, um, so it doesn't have to, you know, be 100% aligned to your degree. You just, you're still young, so you can afford to, you know, explore. And, 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 you know, even if you make a mistake, right, and you find out this is not what you want, you still have time, you know, to move on. So don't be afraid. Just try. That's the only way you can find out what you're good in and what inspires you. That's, that's my parting message.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, um, Xavier, um you know, one, one key point I think we spoke, you know, in the last one hour, and I think, you know, um, a lot of the points that came up like, you know, EQ, mentoring, soft skills, these are all, you know, stakeholder management. So these are all, you know, um, things where you acquire off the class, off the academics, right? I think that's where, you know, my advice to you know, all these aspiring graduates is to, you know, focus on these areas, right, whilst, Academy is definitely important, right? Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, it, it gets you the scroll, right? To get you your first job. But beyond that is really what you do, right? With that scroll, yeah. right? With that academic scores, and, you know, all these things come into play, right? Um, and and you know, the, the self-initiative that you take as well, right? To improve yourself. So I think those are all really very key uh, attributes that, you know, we look out for in the corporate world.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Warren. Yes. So I, I think, um, you know, it sort of like um, very be- beautifully sums up um, our conversation today. So, what I would like to leave uh, the audience with is uh, perhaps a final thought that, in my view, and I'm sure all of us would relate to, we city bankers relate to on a daily basis, uh, which is school is not the end, but only the beginning of your educational journey. So, with that, all the best with your learning journey. Goodbye and take
0: care.
1: All the best. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. Thank you so much, our uh, speakers, for such a very, uh, for a very interesting session. Uh, it definitely did remind me so much of my time in high school, mostly in a good way. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed this session as much as I did and have learned some beneficial tips from the speakers to help you in your career journey. So be sure to visit City Malaysia's virtual Book and don't forget to vote them as Malaysia's Most Preferred employees for the Gradam Brand Awards. You can please your vote at their virtual book or at the Brand Awards website at brand-awards.gradam.com. So be sure to tune in to the next webinar on Endemic Work Culture featuring speakers from M-Bank, Bank Islam, Setia and CIND at 3 p.m. Thanks for tuning in and see you again soon. Bye everyone.